Hey, Kathy. How's it going? Uh. (laughs) So today on the show, we are going to talk about Scream 3, Scream 4, and the brand new Scream 5, which we both went to see together in the theater. And so we'll talk about that in our second segment. But first, I did want to mention that the Terror Talk Discord has a letterboxed account now. We just started it out. Hey. And patron saint of trash, the pepper flake, is <laughs> um, <laughs> is building it out as we speak. The and so by the time <laughs> by the time the, she'll appreciate that. Mm-hmm. By the time this episode airs, it should be built out. And what it's going to have on it is everything we've watched in the Discord since I think about February. I have records since about February when I started actually um, scheduling things. Mm-hmm all the way up until like this week or what have you. And what it'll also have in it is little notes from some of our patrons about what they thought of it. Little quotes from the viewings, maybe, I mean, going forward, we're not going back to February to get quotes, but (laughs) it'll have certainly Pepper's thoughts on it and probably Ice and some others, and they'll have little reviews in there for you. But mostly it's for you guys who might not be on our Discord, who might not be patrons of ours to see what we've been watching. Cool. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Cool, man. Very good. Yeah. So I want to remind everybody that we'll be getting our mug order back in in February. So check those out. I love our mugs. Yeah. TerrorTalkPodcast.com. So there's there's, the shop is open. There's t-shirts and hoodies and the mugs are coming in. I think there's one mug for sale on there still. So when that one mug goes, then we'll be completely sold out. But we should have more. By the time, maybe by the time this episode airs, or if not, within a couple of weeks. So yeah. those are the Terror Talk announcements. Excellent. Mm, yes. I, I've been looking at some events moving forward this year just because, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with January and February. Sure. Um, maybe even March with these events. But I found there's something called the Midwest Slaughter Fest in Nebraska, okay. which I thought just <laughs> sounded really cool. And it, it isn't till August. That's typically when you and I do the Midsummer Scream here in Los Angeles. Um, so this is supposed to be anyway, Saturday, August 12th. Oh, wow. Look at this. Mm. Never mind. They moved it to 2023 already. Okay. Yeah. So it says 2022, but they already moved it. It looks like 2023. So that might mean that they're kind of in limbo if what 2022 is going to happen. Well, and things take so much planning. Like I'll tell you. So I have talked on the show regularly about going to Sundance Film Festival. I was all set to go. Less than two weeks away, I got the announcement. I was mad. Yeah. <laughs> but I understood. I'm, I'm not mad at them. I was mad at them, but not in my right mind mad at them uh, because I t- completely understand that you don't want to be responsible for bringing bazillion people together and then have everybody yeah. be positive, et cetera. Like, I get it. The health concerns are paramount. However, yeah, it got canceled within two weeks. So I can understand how, even though I feel like summer is a safe zone a little bit with events, it's like, it takes a lot of time to plan these events. So they does. don't want to plan something they're not sure is going to happen. So, it does. So, a bummer. 
if you want to check out what it is, Midwest Slaughter Fest is a horror and music festival with heavy metal, hard rock, hip hop, and horror core. I love that word. Mm-hmm. So enjoy all the day music as well as our chopping mall full of the area's best vendors with goodies of all tastes and meet and greet our famous horror icons. We have lots of activities, food and fun. So I can also imagine this ending up being a pop-up, which is what happened with our Midsummer Scream, which is right. they had canceled it and then they decided last minute, hey, you know, let's just throw something together with the, the vendors that want to be there and, and it ended up being really cool as a pop-up. I can only imagine what it's going to be like when they like fully do it. So mm-hmm. if they end up doing it in 2022 and ends up being a pop-up, I would still check it out because they, they still tend to do a good job with those things. Or at least follow all their social media so yeah. you can catch it the next year. For sure. I wanted to tell you that there is a Kickstarter for the Silent Night, Deadly Night, the game. Oh. Mm-hmm. I think it was Blue on our Discord who talked about this or posted it for me. I tried to get I get try to get everybody's ideas. So one of the things that happens in our email, <laughs> I get a lot of emails, mm-hmm. but I also that happens in our Discord channels is people post things that I bring up to the show. So this is a horrifyingly fun board game based on the classic 1984 horror flick Silent Night Deadly Night. I'm going to look, let me see. That I mean the packaging looks cool. You can give them some money to help them get through it. Obviously, that's what Kickstarter is about. Yep. And it shows you everything. The game board's going to feature five brand new illustrations inspired by Billy's famous kills. They've been revealing, I guess, one per week in the in the Kickstarter and the designs and stuff. You know so there's who's a bunch making of the game. Uh, the I don't know <laughs> people on Kickstarter. I have no idea. Oh, it just says Kickstarter. The person's huh? name is Scott Schneid, who created the Kickstarter. Okay. So and so far, there's eighty five thousand dollars already raised wow. and thirteen eighty four backers. So looks like they're gonna make it happen i don't know how much money they were asking for but that seems um, like enough (laughs) these horror games are great i mentioned a couple over the holidays that i had played and that that i now own which is eldritch horror being one the goonies being another one um you know there's an evil dead one that's out through moonshot games and um i think there's a night of living dead it looks like also so there you know people are getting history repeats itself there's nothing like sitting down and actually having uh, being off a screen and playing a board game and when we played goonies we even put like uh we had some lantern lights out and we had uh, you know the candles going yeah, we just sure. really built the ambiance and we had like the soundtrack playing and nice. it, it was fun geek out we geeked out on it it looks like the giving period is already over it was over january 13th but what you can do on kickstarter is you can click the follow along button and then if you're following along and they send out any kind of announcements about like hey the game's out or whatever then you can check it out obviously they they don't they would like you to buy it very cool yeah cool so there's another thing i wanted to share with you which was i was in the scream vein of things i wanted to share with you i found this article that it was the scream stars talking about the first horror movies they ever saw oh that's fun so i thought you might be interested in that and because i know you're a huge scream fan so uh nev campbell was talking about how she saw the changeling with George oh C. god that's one of my in my top five scariest she was 11 years old at that's a, a sleepover one. And she's never forgiven her friend, it says. I had nightmares for a month. It's a scary one. That's a scary one for an 11-year-old. That's a good one, right? That one scared me recently. Yeah, I mean, there's a remake and stuff of that one, too, right? Yeah, Probably the, more the than jo- one. The George C. Scott one is terrifying. I haven't seen any of the remakes Yeah, didn't Angelina it. Jolie do one? I, th- I don't think that was the same movie. Oh, okay. It was called Changeling, but I don't think Very it was... Very confusing. Yeah, it wasn't that Changeling. You okay. can find another name. 
This is my opinion. Agreed. <laughs> okay. And then David Arquette said he thinks it was Jaws or Halloween, okay. uh, which is makes yeah, sense, right? For like that, as far yeah. as earliest memories type of thing. So I don't know. They asked those two. Yeah, okay. You know. The changeling is, that's been one I've been, maybe we get a, get that one on discord. That's been one I've been wanting to rewatch. I watched it. Um, yeah. More recently, like in the last year or so, but it, it's that one terrifies me. If you like, supernatural ghost stuff but for me i'm i'm really particular yeah like i loved the others this one's right up there uh it terrified me yeah it's pretty cool well you should uh most saturday nights we vote on the movies that we watch so everybody suggests them this is a new thing we've been doing everybody suggests their movies throughout the week and then we vote on them so one of these weeks you'll just throw that in there cool and we'll do it all right, so the next thing we'd like to do is a little thing we like to call. Who thinks we Earl? Nice. Meow. I like yeah. how it's become meow. a meow. It's become like an animal sound. Sometimes it's a cow, sometimes it's a meow. There you go. It's rarely cat. Sooner or later, it'll be a, I don't know, a hiss, a bark, <laughs> an elephant whinny. Oh, God. <laughs> Okay, number one. Yeah. What late 80s sitcom starred the Nightmare on Elm Street ingenue? Oh. Like that word, ingenue. <laughs> Heather Langenkamp. Okay. Number two. The catacombs under Paris hold the reins of roughly 60 million what? Reigns? Okay. Hold the rain. I wouldn't I wouldn't take that literally. Okay. okay. Yeah. Got it. Just meaning Yeah. They top it. Okay. Got it. Uh number three. What is the main reason we do not have a lot of mummies left today? Mm. I know you and your mummies. <laughs> Waiting for that. <laughs> it's okay. We all have our things. Number four. The high school in Kerry was named after what classic horror location based on a popular 1960s horror film? So Brian De Palma changed it from Stephen King's original You in High School in the novel. He changed it to something in the film as an homage. Okay. And so you're wanting what? The name of the school. The name of the based school, what on he called this, it. Oh, based on it. this yep. 1960s film that it was in. Yep. Got it. Okay. Number five. The third most profitable movie based on return investment is the original Paranormal Activity. It was budgeted at $450,000. What was its return? Okay. I don't know. We'll find out. There you go. Thank you so much for that, Kathy. We're going to take a... It's super, always a pleasure. Oh, yeah. We're going to take a super quick break, and then we're going to talk all things The Last Three Screams. Always a pleasure. <laughs> we shall be right back. We're back. Let's do Scream 3, 4, and 5. 
Let's do it. Let's do it. What we're going to do here is Scream 3 and Scream 4, you know, we're not going to worry anything about spoilers because those movies are old. They're just old. 10 and 20 years old. So, God, is 3 already 20 years old? Uh, yes. That's crazy. Uh, 2000? Uh, 2000. 21 20- years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or 22 at the, you know, depending that's, on when that's it was. That's crazy. Whatever. Yeah. So, that's crazy. That's crazy, man. But then we are going to be non-spoilery with Scream 5. And we might, we may at some point for our patrons on the, you know, on Patreon do a spoilery Scream 5. Because we got shenanigans to say about it. But for the sake of today, we are going to rein it in. And not spoil the movie for you. Scream 3 came out in 2000. Horror comedy. Almost two hours long. It's one of my issues with these movies is they're always two hours long. I really need you to shave some time. Even the new one. Sorry. We'll get to that. So Scream 3 and the final installment to this trilogy. (laughs) I love that description. A murdering spree begins to happen again. That's the start of them all. Mm-hmm. This time targeted towards the original Woodsboro survivors and those associated with the movie Inside a Movie Stab 3. Sydney Nev Campbell must face the demons of her past to stop the killers. She's always facing the demons of her past. I know, it's so generic. But, okay, so can we find some good things to say first? About, about three? Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, Lance Henriksen's in it, okay? So that was going to be my go-to is that one of the fun things about Scream 3 and Scream 4 is that there are people of the time in it. Yeah, it's a fun cast. Jenny McCarthy, Emily Mortimer, for Christ's sake, yep. Parker Posey, Lance Heinrichsen, Scott Foley, Patrick Dempsey, like Liv Schreiber. <laughs> I mean, I know. Carrie Fisher, Kevin Smith is in this movie. I mean, Wes Craven is even in the movie, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the cat. So for me, the, the massive cast is a pull and it's. And it annoys the movie. It's It really is the. So we saw a little bit of this in two. Mm-hmm. I yeah. still think three personally was more entertaining and there was more humor two i feel like it did try to take itself way too seriously Mm, okay and three kind of got back like i love parker posey and three she's so flipping annoying it got super campy it did in three Uh, for me it didn't succeed i liked two better okay but you know fair i mean they're both not super great no okay but there i three was maybe it was the campiness that that allowed me to continue it because it didn't take itself so seriously well and because there's all those fun people or whatever it's like a nice distraction i guess i also felt like the the motivation for you know they always bring the family lineage into it Mm -hmm. i like the killer better in three than i did in two two still just doesn't the motivation for the killing in two i'm i'm it just i felt like they just pulled it out of a hat (laughs) um where uh, three it's like okay we we already knew that uh, maurice prescott had a secret life and stuff like that based you know on you know the fact that she wasn't incredibly faithful and we you know it make it makes sense Three makes sense. Okay. Two's killers don't make sense to me. Okay. Um, or they just feel completely random. So that was another thing that I liked. But yeah, three is whatever. As a standalone movie, it's fun, but it's certainly not the best in the franchise. No, 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 no. For me, it's pretty recycled. Like the recycled moments are good. I, I think the recycled moments are the ones that are good. I, I feel as if those kinds of moments have been done better in other places. Okay. It's just like... 
For me, I guess by the time I got to three, I was definitely looking for something more. And I guess I like two better just maybe for the sake of the fact that it's still in the 90s and it's got the 90s stars in it or what have you. So for me, for some reason, Scream for me is very 90s, obvious for obvious reasons. And so I like revisiting that 90s feel. So at the time when I watched it the first time, Scream 2 was probably a pile of garbage to me. But now there's a nostalgia. But now there's this, you know, 30 years ago nostalgia for the 90s. And I think that's probably why, you know, Scream 2 edges forward with a half a star more than Scream 3 for me. And for me, Scream 3 is probably... My, I think it is actually like on Letterboxd or whatever, my lowest rated Your lowest Scream rate. movie. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the thing about um, Scream 3, though, is that it it does introduce the, yeah. the stab movies and how we get to continue the franchise because it's because of these movies, people coming back and and reliving or recreating or gives that meta upon meta upon. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. I think it it gave them some leverage to continue making them. Otherwise we wouldn't really know how to get killers. Yep. It, it establishes that. So, um, but I hear you as far as like this one felt like it kind of went in a bunch of different directions and there was a blessing and a curse with this cast because at one point I felt like there were almost too many stars and that can be incredibly annoying too. It's like who else can we throw in here? Yeah, I think by by this point they they were really trying to capitalize on that where like being super campy like let's throw everyone who's anybody in television. Well, I also didn't like what they did with Cotton Weary's character. Like yeah. now he's this Hollywood guy. <laughs> I know. This guy I... never would have stood the chance. Never, never, never. You I know? Just, yeah. It's just. Uh, and he's mm. got a successful talk show. I mean, <laughs> called 100% Cotton. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, I understand there's a humor in that, but it's like, how does this guy, this guy was in the first <laughs> one, his character was incredibly stoic and, and then all of a sudden he becomes like this TV personality. That was a bit. Uh, that well, Cotton like. was very clearly in the first one an option for the the person that was doing all these things, sure. killings, right? And I would have loved if the if the character was congruent and they presented an option as him being one of the very clear options. And they tried to do it a couple of times, but they hadn't established enough of it. And so by the time he dies in this one. You don't really, you never believed it. Because the thing about the Scream movies is when people die, you want to say, oh, shit, it's not them. That's right. That's the whole premise of like how to go through the killers is you want to think it's everybody, right? We talked about how in Scream 1, like that's part of the success is that you they really, really succeeded on you thinking that everybody was the killer. Yep. Yep. Uh, I did also like that Sydney became a crisis counselor. Yeah. <laughs> I just, so there's a little things that I like about it. I, I will say that I love her consistently through yeah. all five. And in, in my eyes, like she really can do no wrong. I just love Nev Campbell in this. The, to me, this is the, she's the modern day Laurie Strode. And <laughs> For sure. I know we'll get to five. The horror is, comedy of Laurie Strode. just seeing her in five, it's like, I didn't even care what was happening. And like, just, brings you back and there was just something really awesome about that yeah feeling. so that's super enjoyable yeah scream four so it's been many years so 10 years later mm-hmm. they made scream four it's been many years since the ghost face killer cut a deadly path through the town of woodsboro in order to get over the trauma of those horrific events sydney has written a self-help book she returns of course she did 
She became a crisis counselor and then she wrote a self-help book. That's what everyone in our profession does, actually. She returns to Woodsboro for her book tour and reconnects with old friends Gail Weathers and Sheriff Dewey. However, Sydney's arrival also sparks the return of Ghostface, putting Sydney and everyone she loves in danger. I like that because it's actually Sydney who creates... I mean, like Sydney's presence, she doesn't create it. Sydney's presence, like, triggers sparks. the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, this is another one with an with a all star cast for its time. Yep. Um, TV. They always get bring in all the TV stars. <laughs> I uh, I have to say, and I'm right up there with Pepper on this one. That I just Emma Roberts is just hard for me to watch. Sometimes she always plays the same character, mm. and she plays. So, if you haven't seen Scream Four, she plays Sydney's cousin. Right. And and then Barbara Hershey, I believe, right, plays the the aunt in this. Mary and, McDonald. Oh, it is? God, it looked like Barbara Hershey, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's who I thought it was. And I was like, that's interesting that they got her. Anyway, mm-hmm. that whole um so it brings back uh Sydney's family into this, which Sydney's really the whole core of this. So that I liked that, but I also liked I liked this film. Yeah, I really, I liked, I liked seeing Hayden Panettiere. She was really famous at the time. Mm-hmm. I liked seeing uh, Rory Culkin. I love Rory Culkin. Anthony Anderson. Lucy Hale, the girl from Pretty Little Liars is in it. Could you have know, done without Adam Brody. Not a yeah. fan. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Anna Paquin mm-hmm. is in this movie. Marley Kristen Shelton. Bell has yeah. a little cameo in this. I mean, seriously. And this is really where Marley Shelton's character develops yes because we see her again and that's important for five so yeah so yeah so that's in there too i enjoyed four i had never seen it okay i I really had never i was i was curious what you were going to think about it because i hadn't seen it since the theater and i remember really liking it and i'm like i hope i like it as much as i did and and i did i liked the rewatch so yeah by 2011 i was not seeing like the fourth movie in a franchise so it just wasn't where i was at in my life yeah and i don't even think i had seen scream three actually okay although a lot of it was familiar but you just don't know whether that's culture or not and in 2001 i would have definitely been consuming a ton of media Mm -hmm. just what was going on in my life and what i was doing for a living so i was consuming a lot of media at the time so i have a feeling i had seen it but like okay. it just came in and came out with one of my 10 blockbuster rentals that weekend. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. that was the blockbuster weekend. This is, this is one of the few, um, I like this one a lot. This is one of the few franchises. Yeah, it is fun that uh, I, if one comes out, I, I'm just going to go see it. So yeah, I mean, I would now Yeah, for a lot of reasons, obviously, but at the time, no way. And it's the last one that Wes directed. Yeah. You know, we lost him. So I liked four and, four carries over marley shelton's character becomes a bigger character in five so she is the one of the sheriffs and plays a a pretty big role a pretty big role in five and i i really i thought that scream four was improved on scream three for sure yeah me too and i thought it just held together better in other words like i tracked it more clearly it didn't take i mean it's it's horror comedy so it it doesn't take itself that seriously in general but it wasn't as silly as three no it wasn't it Mm -hmm. was more it was back to trying to be scary again Mm -hmm. and i and i did appreciate that and yeah so there's that it almost feel like you could go from one to four (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah i i i also i also think you could go from one to five okay. if you really <laughs> i also think that you could and there wouldn't be enough screen movies yeah i mean i think you could watch the first one 
and then watch the new one. Oh, sure. If, if you never did anything Scream, you could definitely do that and have a very enjoyable time. But if you went to Scream 4, it'd be better because the cop character and some other characters would be sort of set up. Yeah. But the stab movie thing, they reiterate that at the beginning of every fucking movie anyway. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't have to start with three to understand the stab corollary. It's almost like the Halloween movies, right? If you saw one, you can skip to to, um, anywhere. Halloween 2018. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And then stop. Please. (laughs) And that's it. Just those two movies, honestly. But if you're a completionist and a genre fan, then obviously you're going to watch all the things. Scream 5, 2022. Okay. Two hours again. Okay, here's where I think they should have shaved. <laughs> Jesus, me too. The beginning, not the end. Oh, yeah. So I will tell you exactly, well, not exactly the scenes, but so there's three act structure, right? In a movie, we all kind of know that if you're a movie file. The beginning of act two. So the setup, fine. The first half of act two, before like a major crisis point in act two, too long. Too effing long and this is where they please shave 12 minutes please they played up too much of the characters trying to relive the same energy of number one I'm like jesus you guys i almost yawned so what they do i'm not going to give anything away but they do bring characters back who are related to characters in number one they're now younger in high school and they really want us to get that these characters are a lot like the OGs. Yeah, they kind of hit us over the head with and that shit. too much. Too much. That they could have cut out 20 minutes of this movie. Well, and it's like, okay, we get it, guys. You're trying to set up some of these people, maybe, to survive and then be in the next one. We don't know which ones. We don't know who, blah, blah, blah. Pretty obvious which ones, actually, from the beginning. But I, I just, I can't. It's like... It's like you're you're banking on the the franchise fans to know the original characters very well so that we will see what's in these new characters but you're not trusting us enough to actually like just let that happen. You got to hit us over the head yeah. with them being the same. Okay, we get, we get it. We get it. You're trying to take us back to one and get us to emotionally connect. But people, we've already done that. We've already done it. Anybody going to see this movie has seen one. One of the things I noticed too, which is I wasn't surprised at all, is when we finally start to see Dewey and Gail and Nev come back, Sydney come back, the whole audience is like, oh, fucking yay. Thank God. Thank God, because that's why we're here. And one of the things that I was worried about, and I shared this with you, was we weren't going to get enough Sydney, just like we didn't get enough Lori in Halloween Kills. But they do end up, what I did appreciate was they make you work for her. Yeah. And when she does come back, she's in it. And I was worried that she was really going to be, like you said, ornamental and just, yep. you know, here and there. But she, she I was afraid is that, Scream. Yeah, I was afraid that all of the hype was going to be just like her as a figurehead and coming in Same. to like help in the last scene or some shit. But that is not what happened. We are happy to say she is a big part of this movie and she's a big part of Act 3, which was what was really important. Yeah. And where I think this movie very much succeeds is act three. Yes. And what I will say without spoiling it is that the back and forth violence that you remember from Scream 1, in other words, all of act three was like, who's dying over here and what's happening over there? And oh, this person's coming back and then that person's coming around the corner. And then they're doing their little like quid pro quo stuff and they're 
hit, you know, trying to kill each other and then getting up and walking around with stab wounds and, you know, just like back and forth and back and forth. Hilariously so. I thought it really did that. Yep. Exactly like There's the original. There's a lot of blood in this one. Lots of gore. Lots of gore. Lots of gore. Lots of great kills. <laughs> great kills. I'm not giving anything away, but the ending, you and I were just so beside here's ourselves. What, here's what <laughs> happened. We're in the movie theater, right? It's like Friday night. We went on the Friday night. I think it opened on Thursday, but we went on the Friday night. The, the movie theater was not packed, but it was full. It was full. And Kathy and I, through all of Act 3... We're cackling because it's a horror comedy, guys. Like, it got it's back. Hilarious. It got back to what it was. It's hilarious the way the kills are happening. You know, people getting up when they're dead and blah blah blah. Like, and that's not giving anything away because that happens constantly, of course, in scream movies. I mean, there was a few times where I guffawed so loudly, and you know what? The rest of the audience was not doing that. I completely lost it. I had to stifle because it was so quiet. I was like, what the fuck are these people thinking? Are they in a scream movie? The the end scene, which we won't, we're not giving any spoilers here. I think at one point, just, uh, it was, I was completely caught off guard by myself that I literally bursted out loud in laughter because I was like, this is so awesome. This took us back to what this was about. Yeah, there are a couple of moments in that act three where you just, if you're, you just need to remember that it's funny. We're so used to watching horror films that are scary as shit and everybody's quiet for two hours, right? So, and because this is so gory and maybe audiences didn't just do a full rewatch like we did, <laughs> or maybe they're just not in the mood to laugh. I have no idea, but there are some things that happen in act three that I just lost it. Like spit take lost it the way they had certain people resurrect or the way they had certain oh people die or the things they were saying to each other or, you know, just those quips that were happening. And here's another thing I want to mention is that what really came true for me with this movie. And then I, and then I reflected that I think it's true with all the movies, except the first one. It doesn't matter who the killers are. No, not anymore. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that came into my awareness this mm-hmm. time, which I hadn't really ingested yet. Because it really is about Sydney and Dewey yes. and Gail. And-, and that's so different than the first one because the yeah. first one. And so, so me saying earlier that like, oh, you know, Scream 3 isn't making, or whatever I said about, like, isn't making you think everyone's the killer. I'm not saying that the killers don't matter in that way. I still want it to be a red herring because oh, that's the whole and idea. And I'll say what was Scream 5. And it was a red herring. There were a lot of red herrings in yeah. 5. The only criticism that I have about the killers, yeah. without giving anything away, yep. is that I didn't mind who they chose. Mm-hmm. I thought they could have done a much better job with the motivation. Yes. Because... In, I almost don't remember. I actually don't remember it. <laughs> That's well, how they, lame it was. They repeated something they've already used. Okay. I'll just say that. Gotcha. Okay. And so I thought with who they chose, yeah, they could have done a lot more with that. And they they found a really superficial reason 
for yeah, them. Yeah, I didn't care who they chose. Um, That's kind of my point. Like, I didn't care who they chose. It doesn't really matter who the killers are anymore, especially with all yeah. these new characters and you just don't give a shit really about yeah. any of them because you know most people in a Scream movie are going to die. So I just felt that they could have done a better job with the motivation if they were going to choose I think they could have done a better two. job with the projection of who they were because the great thing about Scream 1 and I realize it, it, we're always going to compare it to the original, right? Mm-hmm. And I get that no one's ever going to be the original because that's just kind of a historical thing Mm -hmm. but what they did great with that is that the if you go back and watch the original scream and i think we said this in the other episode is that you can watch those two guys play those characters and they project that they're the killers the whole freaking movie oh yeah and i don't know if i go back and watch this scream i don't know that that's happening in this one no so i'll let you know <laughs> but i don't think it is because i was paying very mm-hmm. close attention mm-hmm. to everyone mm-hmm. and i was trying to do that and i i kind of knew who the killers were real early they're easy to figure out and, yep. and that's I, why it doesn't matter i figured them out too but i'll still stand by not yeah. it wasn't that i cared that i had guessed it it was that I thought the motivations for them could have been different. Yeah, because you're, so, you're going to guess it. And if the killers don't matter and you're going to guess it, then you actually just want to hear the justification later. Yeah. And you want it to be kind of funny. And, and it wasn't. And it wasn't. It, it, was yeah, too, it wasn't. it was too basic. It but, wasn't. But I say genre fans will be pretty happy with... I, lo- I liked it. Yeah. I think genre fans will have all the fan service, all the Easter eggs. They'll have their killer act three. Mm-hmm. And enough of the meta upon meta upon meta commentary... And like like we said, I would like 12 minutes less of it because that's ended up what taking up so much time is all of the blah, blah, blah. Okay, we get you're, you're clever. Right. Fabulous. Well, and, <laughs> and it, the movie does make fun of itself and the differences in generations because yeah. when they start to talk to the younger ones about horror, you know, she makes the joke of like, well, I really appreciate the Babadook because it's this, Yeah, you know, they do the art this, horror this joke. metaphor for Amazing. grief and, and motherhood and blah, blah, blah. And the killer's like, well, that's fucking boring. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, can't you just like a slasher? You this know? is a scream movie. Like, why, why does every teenager need to have like, be so profound these days? Because you know? horror changes, right? I know. It was, so, but they made fun of it and I yeah, thought that no, was great. It was great. I loved that part. I loved that we were having discussions about horror again. I loved that in the opening scene, the fact that it's 2022 was represented. The technology was there. Yep. The, everything was there. There was, you know, it was great. That that part was great. I, I do want to go back and say, you know, one of the things I liked about Scream 4 was that I did enjoy the commentary on celebrity that was in Scream 4. Uh, yeah. So I do like it when they take success. I don't, I don't think I really got that in 3. And maybe that's what I was missing. Is I like when the Scream movies do that, do a cultural commentary mm-hmm. on whatever's going on in the genre at that time. And now Scream 1, of course, it just had to sort of set that up because no one's ever done that before. And in Scream 5, it was great. Like what Kathy's saying is they talked about art horror and that, and that theme that we have now in horror actually being intelligent and Blah, blah, blah. And they knew there was going to be a generation divide going to see this movie. Yes, perfect. It's yeah. perfect. It's, it's, that's the meta that we're looking for. Right. We, we're looking for social commentary in horror, in gore, in funny. And that's what it delivered right. for sure. But you know what? Needed an edit. Yeah, agreed. All right. Thank you so much, Kathy. That was a little fun thing we did. It was. We rewatched the quick franchise because there's not very many films. And then we went to see the movie together. It worked out perfect. It was. We didn't actually really plan that necessarily. Mm 
<laughs> so it just worked out very well for us with our likes. So yay. Thank you so much for this. We're going to take a break. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about some other stuff, probably some horror movies and books. Hey, books and movies. Mm-hmm. We do some books and movies. That's what we're happening. That's what's happening. Welcome back to the show. So let's start with the book that we read together for our book club, actually. It is called Where the Dead Go to Die. It's by Aaron Dries and Mark Allen Gunnels. And let me just read the little doodad here. There are monsters in this world, and they used to be us. Now it's time to euthanize to survive in a hospice where Emily, a woman haunted by her past, only wants to do her job and be the best mother possible. And then the little quote is euthanize to survive. And by the way, this is a Christmas movie. Movie? Book. Oh, you're welcome. I don't want to watch this movie. <laughs> I do. I so do. I <sighs> so badly want that. I would love it if they made this a movie. So this is a take on the zombie genre. It would be a, a twist. It'd be a really good movie. It'd just be incredibly disturbing. I um. There'd be some good gore. I like gore. This movie got me in such a different way. <laughs> Book. You did it. Oh, God, too. I did too. love it. Sorry. <laughs> Let me just drink out of my little Reese's mug. <laughs> um, Really good book. Disturbingly good. Only 245 pages. Seems like it's independently published. Crystal Lake Publishing. It was under the radar where I got it from. I'll just tell the origin story of how I found it. Is that I did a bunch of like top 20, 21 horror books. And I looked at a bunch of lists, right? And a lot of the lists will have all of the big ones, you know, the Stephen Graham Jones book that we just read, the only good Indians and, you know, anything that Grady Hendrix writes, you know, it'll have a lot of the big ones, but I wanted to get something that was shorter because we were going to read it in two weeks. Right. Mm -hmm. And I wanted it to be horror and I wanted it to be horror. But and I it's like, like takes place during Christmas and it takes place during Christmas. So I wanted it to be Christmas horror, <sighs> newer, shorter so i had a lot of like filters <laughs> and i found some lists and i put up three and then we voted and everybody voted for this one right so when but I, I wanted them to be things we hadn't really heard of when i th it was a great pick when i think what i imagined world war z to really be mm -hmm. and what i wanted world war z to really be like was, a human story was this gotcha this book and if Reading it while being in a pandemic, a mm. lot of metaphors around, this is what I found myself feeling. Well, I, I felt a lot of ways when I was reading it. One, it was incredibly depressing. I don't want to deter people from reading it because things can be dark and depressing, but the atmosphere of it makes you feel a lot of different things. And there's some really great characters in this book. But there's a couple of scenes where, you know, they're, they're now at a place in this, we'll call it pandemic for the lack of, I don't know, better words, where they're coexisting among these infected. Yep. Right. And just like in any pandemic, our guard can go down after a while because of malaise. And they're, the metaphor of this pandemic is 
people become infected with this zombie virus. Mm -hmm. And so they've learned to dodge them when they're going to Target or, you know, become very careful when they're going. And so there's that feeling of existing in a world where there's something very infecting going on. Obviously, it's not eating us in this literal state. So there's that draw of like, you can kind of identify with that feeling, but then it's amplified by its intensity, clearly. And the the characters are so incredibly well-developed for it being such a short book. And it's not to- told chronologically, which doesn't always work, but it really did in this. And I, I, it's unreal. The book was really good. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I, you know, you never know what to expect. Obviously, it was a cold read for all of us, including me. Like, I didn't know if it was going to be any good, but the reviews were pretty good. And the way they get around this, the way, the reason why I think it makes such a good uh, metaphor for what's going on right now. And the reason why it's an offering to the zombie genre that has some uniqueness to it, which is hard to do, I think, these days, is that they make zombieism, they call them bone eaters in this, mm-hmm. <laughs> they make the condition kind of a two-stage, a three-stage thing. Yes. You get bit or you get it somehow. There's a lot of different ways you can get it in this book. And you get sick. Like you have a really awful flu or whatever. And then and then you move to another stage where you've gotten so sick that you need palliative care. And so you go to a hospice of some kind or a home. Of, they put you in a place, segregation. They put you in a segregated place. The government puts you in a segregated place where you can live out the rest of the disease. There's no cure. But you have this zombieism and you're slowly deteriorating, but you are not a rabid dog. Like a lot of, like you, we've come to believe zombies immediately are. And then there's a stage where you move into the part where you are a rabid dog. You are a zombie who is going to kill everything in its wake. And that is usually when they put you down. It's about euthanasia. Yes. There's, you know, it's euthanizing. That's what I was saying in the description. So this is post-infection Chicago Christmas. So it takes, takes place in Chicago, which really doesn't matter because it's mostly mostly in, you know, the main character's apartments kind of before everything happened and then after everything happened and then in the hospice and all of this. I, I mean, like that Chicago, though, just because mm-hmm. th- there's such a harsh winter. And so that brings even mm-hmm. more of that atmosphere because if you've ever been to Chicago in the winter it's brutal. Well, and that's also why I'm so glad that everyone picked this is because I knew it was Christmas, I knew it was snowy mm-hmm. and cold and that's what we mm-hmm. I that's what I wanted for a winter read and then it was a new twist on zombies. So, I think we both would really recommend yeah. it. They yeah. do a really good job at politicizing it and people having their opinions around whether they should live out to those final stages or should be taken out before that. It's heavy but um there's a huge horror element that's also incredibly it's not i mean we're talking about some of the more social commentary on it but it is a horror novel yeah the last half of it you know you get some you get some satisfying there was a couple of scenes in there where i was scared like gripping yeah like oh oh god oh 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 no you know you where where if it was a movie i'd be like averting my eyes (laughs) what's gonna happen 
you know, that kind of thing. So I really enjoyed those sequences, especially. And then the only reason why those sequences were effective and why certain things happen that you're upset about is because you ended, you care about the characters. You absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Agreed. I, I also finished the new Dexter. Ah, okay. Dexter new blood 2021. Lots and lots and lots of people, of course, watched the original series and a lot of people felt, you know, utterly betrayed after about season three and <laughs> stopped watching. I kept watching and I've rewatched the whole thing a couple of times actually. But of course those first few seasons are the best. And, and I agree with most people's, you know, thought process on that. And Michael C. Hall is just compelling in that role. Yeah. And the one thing I will say about Dexter new blood, well, I'll say a few things to let you know what I think it's a better representation of how we kind of wanted the series to be at the end of the last time. And was, it was so disappointing for a lot of people. I will say personally, uh, I am still disappointed. Mm. <laughs> it's better than it was, but I am still disappointed. Here's, here's what went well. Michael C. Hall still compelling. Very compelling. There were lots of story points in this that I still found that I thought were a really great way to do things. It does take place in the winter, so that was pretty great for this time of year. I did not think they stuck the ending. I actually don't like the ending, but episode... So what happened is the first couple of episodes, two, three, four, somewhere in there, very compelling, very interesting, very exciting. It it hits all the right... It's kind of like the Scream franchise in that it's hitting all the notes, it's pretty predictable because it's hitting the things that Dexter, it's fan service. It's hitting all the things that everybody wants from Dexter. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with that. Okay. <laughs> that's all I wanted really is I wanted things to be true to the original. And that's kind of what in later seasons of Dexter before was kind of failing. And everybody who was like hardcore Dexter fans were so upset about is that it was just not kind of keeping that up. Mm-hmm. But this does that. Then you get to the middle of the episodes and it starts to get real like, oh, God, it just starts to lose it for a while. Then you hit there's 10 episodes Then you hit episode nine. Episode nine. Fucking awesome. Best episode of the whole thing. I mean, you have to watch all the others to get to episode nine. Mm-hmm. Had, and I think that's what happened is such expectations now. I'm like, ooh. Episode nine, we're just about to the finale. It's going to be awesome. And then episode 10, they're like, lame. Again, a lot of people don't have this opinion. Some people really didn't think it failed in the end, but I do. So all of episode nine, half of episode 10, awesome television, loved it, really happy about it. I don't feel it nailed the ending. I don't know what they're going to do now, if they're going to do anything at all. I would say that if you're a hardcore Dexter fan, you're going to watch it. You need to watch it because it's like an, sure. an offering to yeah. the franchise, so to speak, to the series. But that is what I would expect. I would expect an uneven experience. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I never got into the series. So, I know. Yeah. So I, I I mean, I wish I could comment, you know, have some more commentary for you, but I had a hard time for some reason. I know that I've had, there have been other people who have said, just get through that first season and you'll be hooked. And I'm like, I don't like shows that I have to force feed myself the first season. If you don't like it, you don't like yeah, it. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Cause I, I love Michael C. Hall and I loved him in six feet. I had nothing to do with him. I just, it didn't. didn't and get... I'm sure a lot of people will resonate with yeah. that. Okay. I saw a movie 
a Danish film from 2018. Did you see a movie, Kathy? I did. <laughs> uh, the, the Danish title is Finale. Mm-hmm. Probably not pronounced like that in Dutch. <laughs> uh, and then the, um, the movie's also called The Ringmaster. Okay. Okay. So I had mixed feelings about this. There's a, there's a big social commentary piece, but it's also quite freaky. I feel, well, let me tell you what it's about. It says, during the night of the biggest sports final of the year, two girls working in a gas station experience strange incidents. Is it just staged pranks or is it something of a more aggressive intent? So the, the, the story is, is not told in any chronological order. Uh, you know at the beginning that these two girls are going to be held at ransom by this ringmaster. It starts off really strong. You know that they're getting captured. You know that there's some sick. It almost has a black mirror flavor to it at the beginning where they are being caught to be tortured to a live audience. And so people get to comment through their version of Facebook or whatever as this live torture thing is going. I really like the beginning because you're seeing all these flashbacks of what eventually happens to them. And the the ringleader guy who's doing the torturing seems really flippin' freaky, and you're only seeing, like, little clips of him. And then it goes back to the gas station where these random guys are coming in, and you know that they're the ones who are eventually going to take them. And there's a lot of really good dialogue, and the two girls are very different. One's much more like studious and the other one's kind of edgy and funny and their chemistry is really good. And I'm like, okay, this is awesome. And then you finally get to the place where we're now in real time and they're getting tortured and there's another guy there. And then it turns into Eli Roth's hostel. Oh, and it just really becomes about the shock value of the gore. Okay. I have no problem with gore. I love slashers, but you know how I feel about Eli Roth and you know how I feel about just random torture porn where it's not really going anywhere. So people have argued and have said, this is much deeper than that person inflicting brutality. You know, is it really the ringmaster or is it the audience? That's part of this moral dilemma. It's a comment on human nature. Uh, I get all that, but I didn't like where it, I thought it started off so great. And, And I think it had been in the works for a couple of years before it was totally, I think it went through a bunch of different, you know, stages of writing and things like that. And I just was like, it took this turn and I went, okay, you now lost me. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. But You're like, mm. I like, uh, I, I, I liked where it was going. And then the last like 20 minutes of the film just was kind yeah, of Yeah, sort of, it, it just sounds like it set you up for one thing and mm-hmm. then delivered another one, which it, like you don't have any problem with either one. It just needs to be consistent. <laughs> yeah. It's not that it's not worth a watch. I mean, if you like, I mean, it, it's freaky and the, and the, it's not terrible. It's just, I expected the second half to, be like the first and I just went, um, oh, okay. Then they just threw a lot of blood around and tortured people and then it was over. <laughs> but the girls are kick-ass in this and their relationship oh, cool. and how they try to get out of it is pretty awesome. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. There's always something redeeming in most things. Mm-hmm. Even the half-star reviews. Yeah. <laughs>
have something redeeming good costumes or whatever yeah so i also watched a newer movie 2021 called super hot low budget a pizza delivery girl discovers her neighbor is moving into a sorority house full of vampires it's a horror it's horror like it's listed as a strict horror but i would say it's a horror comedy if you like characterological comedy some of the situations are very ridiculous and funny but but it's mostly that some of the characters say funny things and okay. are kind of funny themselves and i liken it to a a horror film clerks ah you know? okay because it's low budget it's got some budget because there's more than one location. It's not as poor as Clerks. <laughs> okay. But, you know, it's only 81 minutes long. It's kind of talky, but it's also this pizza delivery girl is, you know, got that kind of quirky personality that you might find mm -hmm. in, in a Clerks type of movie. Fun. So the fun thing about this is that it is low budget, but it's actually good. It tracks a story. Of course, it's got flaws. It's on Prime Video. It is comedy. And the, I think my review, let me see what I put. Oh, I put it's super nerdy, light and gay as well as delightful. <laughs> it sets it up for a sequel. The main character obviously be gay. That's why I said that. But, okay. and it's kind of, I was doing a play on happy because it's gay as well as delightful <laughs> <laughs> because it's kind of light. It's just like nerdy, like clerks, you know, you kinda, yeah. if you're a little bit nerdy, it's got some nerdy elements to it. It's nerdy. It's light. She's very deadpan and wry, which mm -hmm. I really like. I enjoyed it. And I'd like a few more people to see it because I think it's one of those ones that like it's on prime and you're going to like flip by it and probably never watch it type of thing. Okay. But I enjoy Very it. Very cool. I like movies. Uh, that that sounds like a good combo. I like to find the gems, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and every now and then it works. Sure. Okay. What else did you watch? Uh, I watched a movie called The Return, not to be mistaken by the 2021. This is 2020. Okay. Um, horror science fiction. After the death of his father, a brilliant college student returns to his family home where he learns that the horrors from his childhood aren't as dead and gone as he once thought. This got mixed reviews. I actually really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. He ends up going home and he's an orphan at this point. Both of his parents are gone. He loses his mother when he's fairly young. And throughout his childhood, he some of his memories from his childhood start to come back. He, he re represses a lot of the trauma. And so he calls his psychiatrist and asks, like, he, he was going through papers at his home and he finds out that he saw a psychiatrist when he was a child. And the psychiatrist is like, oh, I, I don't remember. I only saw you for a couple of sessions. And he's like, that's horseshit. There's something you're not telling me. And he starts to dig up the fact that he had this imaginary friend that went beyond something that was, quote unquote, normal for that age. And the two other people in the film are his current girlfriend and then his best friend growing up. So there's a little bit of like a love triangle going on. The characters are likable, though, and, and you're rooting for him. And you find out through this, he's trying to uncover his trauma, that he realizes that the, the imaginary friend is likely this connection to his dead mother uh. who has learned, who tried to time travel essentially that's why there's a science fiction part of it to get um to make contact with him after she dies but gets caught up in this you know 
again, it's like when man's playing God, it becomes this really evil entity. So now Mm -hmm. he has to figure out, is there a way for him to go back and undo what happened? Mm. I, you know, it got like whatever reviews, but I found it incredibly entertaining. Okay, great. I, yeah, I thought I liked it. I thought it was worth a watch. What year did you say? Twenty twenty. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, I looked it up, and that's the one I got. I was like, did she say two thousand? It's really. I mean, it's really a. It's it's childhood trauma. You know, it sounds like yeah. it. That's on Prime too. It looks. It like. is. Yeah. Yeah. So Dexter's on Showtime, and then the other three movies that we actually watched are all on Prime. So yeah. we, it was a Prime week for us. Right on. And so the next thing we really, really have to do now oh, right. is we need the answers. <laughs> we need playing. the answers. Answers. Oh, Give me the answer. I dropped my pen. Ah. Okay. <laughs> a lot going on over here. Number one. What lady, la- lady, what lady? Oh. <laughs> hey, lady. Um, what late 80s sitcom? Starred the Nightmare on Elm Street, Ingenue, Heather Langenkamp. I do not know. It was a show called Just the Ten of Us, which I loved. Oh, well, that rings a bell. Yeah, if you Mm. look it up, you'll remember it. Okay. Number two, the catacombs under Paris hold the reins of roughly 60 million what? Mummies. Plague victims. (laughs) Isn't that gross? (laughs) I mean, that's why they're catacombs, obviously. Okay. Thank you. Number three. What is the main reason we do not have a lot of mummies left today? Mm. Kathy sold them all and yeah. has them in her home. I don't know. In the Middle Ages, people used to eat them for oh. medicinal purposes. Oh. Isn't that gross? I was going to say, yeah, like somewhere along the line, we yeah. use them for something, but I was For food, my head for, me- for medicine, snacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. Yeah. The high school in Carrie was named after the classic horror location based on a popular 1960s horror film. Brian De Palma changed it from King's original You in High School to what? This is the only one I think I know. Bates High School. Yes, you got it. From Psycho. Yep, you got it. Okay. Stephen King. (laughs) I know a couple things. Not all the things, just a couple. That was a Brian De Palma switch, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, Stephen King. Used I guess maybe I, but I got into it because I the movie. carry and all that. Yeah, because yeah. uh, Stephen King named it Ewan High School. Number five, the third most profitable movie based on return investment is the original Paranormal Activity, budget at four hundred fifty thousand. What was its return? Twelve million. Eighty nine million. Okay. Yeah, I know it's massive. And I actually know it's gonna be uh, Pepper does her found footage movies and she's actually showing that this month. So the the OG? Yeah. Because it's streaming. It's not always streaming, guys. So if you if you wanna catch it, it's it's streaming right now. It it is not always streaming. It's hard to find good found footage that's streaming regularly, and that's one of them. So go for it. Yeah. How apropos. Apropos, thank you for that. She didn't even know. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.